0: Starting a brand new series today. Merry Christmas, by the way. I'm going to be the first one to say it to you. All right. And I, we just, we dive right in. As soon as that clock hits December, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. So this Christmas season, we're, we're going to talk about this idea of God with us. God with us. Think about this verse in Matthew chapter one, verse 23. It says, behold. In other words, stop what you're doing. Behold. Many of us, dare I say all of us, unless we have been taught it or have been held accountable to it, rarely stop and behold, right? Even in this moment, you're probably tempted to not stop and behold, there's things that are going on in your life, in your heart, in your mind. There's things that you're going to do this afternoon. We got plans, right? And all of that is good, but there, there is this principle in scripture of rest, where we have to stop what we're doing and behold. And so that's what happened. Now, granted, in Matthew chapter one, it's probably a little easier to stop and behold when an angel of God Appears right in front of you. Amen. If that happened, Pastor, I'd stop what I was doing. Right? But listen to what is said. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. We hear that so often. But this Christmas season, I want you to stop and think about the miracle that is God with us. It was conceived in the miraculous. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's a miracle. The fact that God stepped out of heaven and into the womb of a young lady named Mary is miraculous. And so born out of that, The fact that you and I, that the church of Christ was even born, is miraculous. The fact that we're in this room, pandemic aside, is miraculous. The people of God, right? In this moment, as Mary and Joseph separately receive this message from God through the angel. And then look at this. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. If God really came and lived among us, and if in fact as we believe that God is still with us right now, in the middle of 2020, with your mask on, <laughs> with all the things, if we really believe that God is with us, what does that change about your life and mine? Because here, we're, we can be really guilty of going through the motions, and there's some merit to that. I just want you to know. There's merit to you just showing up day in and day out in a relationship isn't there there is and so we 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 dog on the mundane a lot but in reality it's faithfulness right that there's something to that there's something to the fact that we are in a relationship but there is the miraculous Still in the story of God. Still in the fact that God with us actually matters to you. That right now, God with us actually matters. It's the thing about this have you ever felt hopeless? You ever, you ever had a moment of hopelessness? We all understand that. We've all had those moments of hopelessness. And and if I was to go around the room and ask each one of you, if I was to go to your living room online and have a conversation, every single one of us could tell the story of hopelessness that we felt. I think about the Apostle Paul when he was persecuting Christians and then God radically saves him on The road to Damascus, and he's knocked off his horse, and the voice of God meets him there. And then suddenly he's blinded and slipped off to some guy's back room at his house that he'd never met. How? What would he have been thinking in that moment? Hopeless. I was that guy, and this God who I now know is real is going to destroy me. We bring it even a little more modern. Many of you know the name Charles Spurgeon. He was uh, one of the greatest preachers to ever live in England. And here's what his wife had to say about his, the emotional state of Charles Spurgeon. Preaching to thousands of people, making a difference. His sermons were being published widely. He had all the things that we think are success today. And here's what his wife wrote of her husband. My beloved's anguish is so deep and violent that reason, sound decision-making, wisdom, reason, seems to totter in her throne. And we sometimes fear that he will never preach again. Hopelessness. Hope is not circumstantial. Happiness can be. But, let me just tell you, even in a group this size and those of you join online, there is almost without doubt one or two or many of us that are experiencing a lack of hope in this season. For others of you, Christmas is not a time of celebration. Christmas is a time of loss, a time of brokenness, and you can fill in the blank and so for all of us, we, we come to this place, this confrontation with the fact that God moves among us with different baggage, with different needs. And honestly, it would be totally understandable to be without hope right now. If you just look at the framework of 2020... Look at our world right now and look at all the things that went on with the election and all the things that went on with the pandemic and, and the, the turmoil among our country, the turmoil in our policies and trying to figure out what does it look like to love our neighbor as ourselves. What does it look like for every life to matter? What does that mean? Does God being with us affect any of that? Because we, we, we need real hope. And, and in fact, God in the Bible would actually be really honest about that too. L- listen to just a few of the things that he says about our life here on this earth. John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. That's not confusing, is it? In this world, you will have trouble. 1 Peter five ten, And the God of all grace... Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. That's amazing. But look at the next line. After you have what? Suffered for a while. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Galatians 6, 8. Right. Let's not just blame it on. All the circumstances outside of us, let's talk about what you and I bring to the table. Galatians six, eight. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. It's not just everybody else's fault. Sometimes my situation is, come on, my fault. Well, we don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Don't talk about my sin. Let's talk, about, let's talk about their sin. We've got to be honest, right? What does God with us have to do with that? What does is, what is the Spirit of God in you have to do with that? I want to give you a framework for hope today. I want to give you a framework for hope. I want you to see and feel that God with us brings hope. Not just some silly hope, some wishful thinking, some false hope, some feel good story, but hope rooted in the truth of our experience with God. And a hope that will actually change the way we see and think and feel. But first, a definition of hope. Let me give you a definition of hope. These aren't going to be on the screen today, so if you want to take notes, just you can write them down as they come. But a definition of hope first. What is hope? Here's what the dictionary says hope is. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. A feeling of expectation or desire that something certain will happen. Expectation, hope, anticipation. I think about, I have three kids, ten, eight, and four. Four. And I think about Christmas morning, right? We did a toy drive with Salvation Army and 25 kids are going to have an awesome Christmas because of your generosity. So good work. Good work. It's amazing. But I think about the face of my kids when they're in their rooms and we don't let them come out to see what's under the tree yet. And, and because of me... I make them sit in their room while I drink an eggnog. That's right. At 7 a.m. Drink an eggnog. And then I have a coffee. Praise God. How many of you know the spirit doesn't move till there's coffee in your belly? That's just me. Okay. It's a personal problem. But no, we sit there and you can, you can, what? You can feel the anticipation. Why? Have they seen, answer me. Have they seen what's out there yet? No. No. Why are they so excited? Because they know their dad. Right? They know their mom. There is anticipation because of the truth of the relationship that I have with them. That there will be gifts out under that tree. Not, not just gifts, but stuff that they want. Good things, right? Hope. Changes things. Hope changes the way we think and feel. It changes the way we make decisions. It's shocking, isn't it, that my three kids, in those few moments, that 30 minutes that I make them sit there and read the Christmas story and we talk about it and I drink my eggnog. That in those moments, would you believe they obey immediately? (laughs) They listen to every word I say. Dad, can I rub your feet? (laughs) Yes, you can. Hope. It changes the way we do life. I was doing some reading and in a psychology um, article, they were just talking about what hope does to people. I want to read you just a little bit of it. And so bear with me. But I but I think it builds the case for what we're talking about. That if, that if you and I have hope today, it changes things. L- listen to what psychologists are saying. Talent, skill, ability, whatever you want to call it, listen to me, will not get you there. This is secular voices. These are not people who believe in the Bible. Talent, skill, ability, whatever you want to call it, will not get you there. Sure, it helps. But a wealth of psychological research over the past few decades would show loud and clear that it's the psychological vehicles that really get you there. So it's not your talent, ability, skills. It's the psychological vehicles that help you use those things that actually get you there. Drop down in the article a little bit. Psychologists have proposed lots of different vehicles over the years. Grit. Conscientiousness. Self-efficacy. Optimism, passion, inspiration, all things that we recognize are good. They're all important. One vehicle, however, is particularly undervalued and underappreciated in psychology and society, and that is hope. Hope is not a brand new concept in psychology. In 1991, an eminent positive psychologist and his colleagues came up with this hope theory. According to the theory, hope consists of agency and pathways and yada, 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 all the things that you and I, we don't need to talk about right now, but listen to this. It says, put simply hope involves the will to get there and different ways to get there. Hope is not, listen, hope is not just a feel good emotion But a dynamic, cognitive, motivational system. Hope. Science, it goes on to say, is on the side of hope. Snyder and his colleagues came up with with a way of measuring hope. Both as a stable trait of an individual and as a state one can be in any time. The hope scale was the result of that. The hope scale which has been translated into more than 20 languages, includes all those items relating to agency that we just talked about. And then here's the bottom line. Whether measured as a trait or state, hope is related to positive outcomes. Hope, it changes things. But what I want to talk with you about today is what are the handles of that hope? What are the handles of hope? How, how do you not just think about hope, but actually grab onto it and have some hope? Because I don't know what you're going through. Today. I know what some of you are. I know what a lot of you are going through. We all need hope. We need hope. So I want to give you two handles for experiencing hope. But let's return before I give you those back to that question. What does hope have to do with my Christian life? And if you're not a Christian, what does hope have to do with why you ought to, today, before I'm done, become a Christian? What does hope have to do with it? Look at how the Bible, and we could go a lot of places. If you would just go to Google and Google hope in the Bible, you would get tons and tons of scripture. Let me give you a few of my favorites, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says this. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know, not theory, not out of reach, that you may know what is the, say it, hope to which he has called you. And then look at the description of hope. What are the... Riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Notice he didn't say for the saints. This is not some. Thing you get some gift that's coming. This is a gift that you have access to right now. And it's not for an inheritance. Your inheritance is a person that person is Jesus. Listen to it. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Jesus. Look at Hebrews 10:23. Let us hold fast the confession of our what? Hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Don't you love the juxtaposition of that? Let us hold fast because he's doing all the work. (laughs) Don't you love that? Let hold on to the hope that is in you because God's faithful, not because you're faithful. Colossians 127 to them. God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles you and I are glad for that. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery? What mystery? What hope? What glory? Which is Christ what? In you. Not just Christ in you. What is it? The hope of glory. The Bible has a lot to say about hope. And the Bible is very clear that right now. You can have great hope that you can hang on, that you can hold fast the confession of your hope because your hope is not in something that is disconnected, out there, distant, far away. No, no, no. Our hope is Christ in us. God with us brings Hope. Real hope. Hope that you can feel. Hope that you can anticipate. Hope that you know things that you cannot yet see are true. That's the definition of faith, by the way, that Hebrews gives us. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So, what are the two handles for you to get onto this hope? They're so obvious. You're going, to, you're going to want your money back. <laughs> like, I thought you had something profound to say. I don't. I don't. Because here's the reality. You don't need really good ideas from me. You need a really good Savior. In you. Hope in you. Number one, if you're taking notes, become a follower of Jesus. No doubt somebody... In this room or watching online or listening to this later on a podcast or watching it on YouTube. Without a doubt, there's going to be one of us playing the game. One of us who's just religious but has no relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God is not with you. And I don't want that to scare you. I just want you and I to have a real conversation about the fact that if God is not with you. He's against you, the Bible says. The Bible makes it very clear that to be friends with the world is to be an enemy of God. And so let me just be honest with you that this message of hope has to first confront you with the fact that you aren't who you ought to be. That even from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve were walking around the garden with all the circumstances that were correct... Think about that. You say, well, pastor, you don't know my circumstances. You're right. But I do know that the two people who had the best chance in the most perfect environment couldn't live up to the expectations that were placed on them. Adam and Eve, in perfect circumstances, sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And in that moment, recognized that they needed rescue. So listen to me. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. But what I do know is that you on your own will never produce the hope that you're longing for. The anticipation of tomorrow. The anticipation of relationships. The anticipation of making a difference in this world. The anticipation of a relationship. You have to become a follower of Jesus because hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. God with us is what actually brings hope. And let me tell you, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, there is hope for you. Because the Bible is also very clear that God created the whole world. And then John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that Christmas... That he sent his only son into the world so that you might not perish, but have eternal life. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not an abstract, unrealized thing. Hope is found in the person of Jesus. Don't take my word for it. Let me read to you from the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verses 5 through 8 says this. And hope. This is going to set somebody free right now. Hope. Does not put us to shame. Shame is a lie from the devil, not a moment in your conscience from God. Hope does not put us to shame. What's that saying? Jesus does not put you to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I'm telling you, to become a follower of Jesus, well, how is that a handle? Because what it says right here is that God is actually willing to pour out, think about it, pouring out into your heart His love through the Holy Spirit. If you do not know Christ today, if you are not a follower of Jesus, what difference does that make in your life? It's this, that God takes the Holy Spirit, deposits him in your life, and then begins to just pour his love into your life. Don't tell me that doesn't sound awesome this Christmas. If you need hope in your life, it's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. Let me keep going. For while we were still weak, listen to it, While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Don't you love the honesty of scripture? One will scarcely die for a righteous person. I told you a couple weeks ago when we were talking about being kingdom people, being kingdom curators, managing God's blessings for the good of the world. I told you, listen, I really, I love you guys. I would give my life for you. I really believe I would. But would I give my kids life for you? That's a whole different ball game. Look at what it says. At the right time, Christ died. One would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one might dare to do it, might dare even to do it. Look at verse 8. But God, he shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What is the actual handle of hope? The fact that God with us, God came to earth as a baby, born in a manger in a terrible part of the world called Nazareth. In the most humble of circumstances, so that he could at the very right time, at the precise moment in history, at the crooks of history, the hinge point of history, die on the cross for you and for me. Hope is found in a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is our hope. And he is the thing that we hold fast to, right? said, hold fast the confession of our hope because God is faithful. We hold fast to the confession that Jesus died on the cross for me. And three days later on the first Easter, he was raised to life so that I might be. Becoming a follower of Jesus is the first handle for hope. If Jesus is not in your life, if God is not with you, then he is against you. And that's not a scare tactic. That's just reality. But the beauty is that If you find yourself in that place that he has extended an invitation to you, he has handed you a gift this Christmas called hope. So what's the second thing? For those of us that have experienced that gift, that know Jesus, that love him, that as we did just a few moments ago, are worshiping him, that the response, the overflow of our heart is to worship God, The second thing that I want to encourage you with slash challenge you with this Christmas about hope is this. You have to actually live like a follower of Jesus. I didn't get any amens on that one. That's okay. I didn't like it either. But but listen to what that does. Listen to what happens when you grab the handle of hope that is the Holy Spirit, where God pours his love into your heart. Look at what happens when you grab the other handle of beginning to live in that freedom. Beginning to live in that reality. Look look at what Colossians chapter 1 verse 6 says. Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. As it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. That's the handle I just talked about. Becoming a follower of Jesus. When that actually happens... Look at this, verse 7. Just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in his spirit, in the spirit. When you begin to live out what has been brought to you, you begin to experience this thing known to us by the love in your spirit. I was thinking about that You know, I mentioned Spurgeon earlier. There was another guy who was a prisoner of war in World War II. His name was Jürgen Moltmann. And he began to just do some writing while he was in prison in World War II. So not favorable circumstances. And of all the things he could have written while in prison in World War II in another country, of all the things he could have written, he wrote about this thing called the theology of hope. It's a theological perspective. It's been championed by many people. The most influential is this guy, Jürgen Moltmann. But listen to what he says in, in, in prison. The implication of this focus on the future is not withdraw from the world in hope that a better world will somehow evolve. Our, our message of Christianity is not that we depart from the world that we live in. But rather that we recognize that we live simultaneously in two different kingdoms. We are citizens of heaven. Children of God. Adopted into his family. And because of that, we step into, we actually, we actually move into, we draw near to the brokenness that is in the world that we live in. And listen to what he says. Rather, the theology of hope advocates active participation in the world. In order to speed up the coming of a better world. How many of you know that came right out of the Bible? Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. That your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What it, where is that born out of? How do you look at the world we live in in 2020 and say, I want to actively participate in bringing a better world? What does that look like? It looks like kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so here's, what, here's, here's where he draws that net. He says this. The Christian is to be seen as a hoper. <laughs> Are you a hoper today? The Christian is to be seen as a hoper. Someone who is, listen to this, I love this. Don't miss this. Someone who is impatient... And terribly dissatisfied with the current status of this world. Why? Because we know somebody who offers a better world. Jesus himself in Luke chapter 4 said, "Here's, here's what I'm here for. Here's the whole thing. I've come to this world so that I might set people free. Set people free. Freedom is found, hope is found in a person. L- let me let me bring this even a little closer for us. What does hope look like? Put up that picture from our friends uh, at Make Your Mark. Just last week, I saw these three pictures come across um, the internet from our friends at Make Your Mark. If you're new to Redeemer, we are um, at we're in partnership with a group in Ethiopia called Make Your Mark. And they rescue street children, rehabilitate them with the gospel in church, connected to the church. And then it doesn't stop there. They actually take those kids back to their family that they ran away from and begin the reconciliation process. And the end goal is that that child would go back home and live at home. Do we have that picture? Look at this. Last week, these aren't aren't fake. These aren't made up. These are people that I can get on the phone with right now and call in Ethiopia because you're generous, because the church, because people like you give our money to make things like this happen. How incredible. What do you see on their faces? Joy. Let me ask you a question. When when, When that mom, when that dad, when that mom got up that one morning and realized their child was not at home. Do you think they felt hopeless? I bet they felt hopeless. But how many of you also know that there were things going on that they couldn't see? There were people in Tampa, Florida who they'll never meet, who go to work every day, make money, and then choose to give a portion of that to a local church that gives it away to see things like this happen. And it's all centered around this person, this person whose name Jesus. That's hope. That's hope that under the surface of what we see in the world, that underneath of that, we know. I may not see it yet. Two years ago, those families, they didn't see it yet. But God was actively working on their behalf. And we're a part of that. That's hope. That's hope. That the lost would be found. Is that not so biblical? Jesus said, I would leave the 99 and go after the one. Right? We start where we're at. We bring what we have. We draw near to the broken, knowing that we get to participate in this future because we're we're hopers. <laughs> if, if I had a prayer for redeemer in this, in this next few months, it would be that. That in this world that is so dark and so dreary and so uh, lacking hope, that we would be hopers. Somebody make that t-shirt. Hoper. <laughs> I'll buy one. Because what, what is it that when you walk into work tomorrow, what is it that when you go out to eat tonight, what is it when you do whatever it is that you do? What is it when if you are houseless and you're under a bridge sleeping? What, what, it, what is it that, that changes the game? Hope. Hope. We're hopers. I love that. Making a difference. Specifically through the gospel. Specifically through good news that Jesus is a person and that he brings tangible results. Let's go another step closer. Put up that next photo. Let's bring it right into this room. Those are just a few of the 35 people over the last four years that have surrendered their life to Jesus. And not just surrendered their life to Jesus, but then publicly said, I, I am putting All my eggs in this basket, making a difference through one person whose name is Jesus. All right, you got to take the picture down or they'll keep looking at it. (laughs) Let's go back to where we started. God with us. God with us brings hope. So I'm going to have the band come back up. We're, we're going to sing that song again. God with us. But, but as they're doing that, I, I want to I encourage you to do a few things. To go back to that place that we were just in. And think about God with us. And I, I want to just ask you two questions. Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you know him? Do you know this God who is with us? Does he live in you? Have you surrendered to the spirit of God as he pours out his love into your heart? If that's a foreign experience to you, can I just bring you some hope today? As we kick off this Christmas season, that that kind of access is available to you right now. Maybe you are a Christian and maybe you're just like, Mitch, like I know that's true, but I've not experienced that in a long time. Listen, I, I know that for many of us it's the prodigal son story, right? We just have these moments where we run. We have these moments where we depart from the things that we know are true. We have these moments where we walk away from the reality of God with us. The Bible's clear about that, too. It says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us, to our own way. But you know what the next line says? And God has laid on Jesus the sins of us all past, present, future. The sins you have committed, the ones you're committing right now, and the ones you're going to commit, paid in full, finished at the cross.